Christine Bentley here with Kate Wheeler, and you're listening to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money? That's wealth esteem. Now, a lot of people are still recovering from the floods last week. Um, I have friends who took video of cars that were half submerged. People have basements, but it's not just a foot of water. It's many feet Mm -hmm. of water. Um, And so we're going to talk to... um, Dr. Usman T. Khan, the Assistant Professor and Graduate Program Director of the Department of Civil Engineering at the Lausanne School of Engineering. And we're going to talk about this and risk maps and with geographical information systems. Because he says it's just going to get worse. Because they are now saying that this is just the beginning. Mm. This is this is not this was not a freak thing that will never happen again. This is the beginning, and we are not used to getting a whole year's worth of precipitation in about four days. No. And the ground and the there's and nowhere for the water the, to go. We've paved for, everything over. Exactly. So. It's going to cost billions. It's another issue for us to deal with. But I think people want to know what's going on. Um, I happen to love wild blueberries. And the annual Wild Blueberry Festival is uh, on at the Evergreen Brickworks. It kicks off tomorrow, Sunday. We're going to be joined by the project manager of the Evergreen Brickworks Public Markets. That's Cameron Dale. As well as Jose Arato, the owner and head chef of Pimenton, to find out what to expect. And they're telling us, Christine, they're bringing us in a tasty dish. Blueberries, blueberries for us. Blueberries. Make a blueberry crumble Mm. and then watch one of Annie's movies because uh, our film critic is going to tell us what to watch and what to avoid at the movies this weekend. And after that, travel expert Candace Sampson will tell us everything you've ever wanted to know about visiting Iceland and you might actually want to make a blueberry crumble and take it with you to Iceland. The food is so expensive. (laughs) Apparently, She was eating hot dogs, apparently. (laughs) Well, it's a thing. They have a special hot dog there that she was telling us about. Um, now, you have to stay tuned until the very end of the show because, well, why wouldn't you? But you definitely won't want to miss Christine's one-on-one with Juno award-winning singer-songwriter Simone Denny. And you've known her for quite a while. I've known her for quite a while. She is one of the most fantabulous people I have ever met. She's so genuine, so authentic, and she has talent just oozing out of mm-hmm. every pore. So I, I'm amazed that she's even in here, <laughs> even going to be coming in here. Now, we wanted to congratulate congratulate um, the winner, Heidi Snow, of a beautiful pair of Beats by Dre Solo 3 wireless on-ear headphones from the Beats Pop collection worth $330. And we gave them away. The random generator selected Heidi, and we asked everyone to tell us why they wanted to win. And what did she say, Christine? She said that um, she... She said that she uh, this was going to make her work out. So she has to win them. More inclined to go back to the gym with the kids at school. And she sees lots of people wearing them. <laughs> so, so they, they must, must be... be great for working out. And probably these are people with no tummy and a nice, Absolutely. firm, perky bum. Now, don't forget to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. And thanks again for tuning in. She said. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said, she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. 
Engineers at York University's Lausanne School of Engineering have found that the Don River watershed, which has suffered four severe flood events in the last century, is at high risk to feel the impact of floods. Now, joining us to tell us more is Dr. Usman Khan, the Assistant Professor and Graduate Program Director of the Department of Civil Engineering <laughs> at the Lausanne School of Engineering. It's, it's a mouthful. It is. Yeah. Uh, welcome to what she said. Now, we, we saw... We saw the flood, and we saw what happened. Um, you know, just a couple of years ago, I think. A couple of years ago, yeah. twenty thirteen, yeah. and then we had this Ontario storm. Right. Just just uh, a few weeks ago. Yep. Yeah. And then it's and the flooding was amazing. But right. is is it to take it right down to basics? Is it because we have basically paved over everything, and there is nowhere for the water to go? Absolutely. That plays a really big part uh, in this. When it rains, the water needs to go somewhere, and the natural thing it wants to do is go underground, uh, feed the groundwater, but when we pave everything up with parking lots, buildings, so on and so forth, that water uh, has to go somewhere. And it goes into our pipes, uh, and it tries to go to the river, but unfortunately, when the capacity of those pipes is met, it comes to the surface. That was my next question, because our infrastructure, I did in the 1990s, I did a series for TV on our Toronto's failing infrastructure. (laughs) That was in the 1990s. And I went down and I saw the pipes. Um, They showed us, like, inside them, and you're seeing, like... um, Growths, I guess, right. that are just basically clogging something that that might have been like originally, you know, a foot or more in diameter, was down to five inches. Absolutely, yeah, and that's one of the problems. Some of the infrastructure is quite old, but the other problem is as we continue to urbanize and develop, uh, we need larger pipes to hold all of that runoff that's coming in from this bigger city. Um, but it's really, really difficult to go in, dig up all of that old infrastructure, and replace it with a new one. Well, you and your team have created new risk maps using geographical information systems and multi-criteria analysis. What did you find? The reason we did this study is a lot of the work that we saw in the GTA focused on flood hazard, which is basically finding an estimate of how much water uh, would be in a particular area, say, after it rains. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that's not the complete picture when we're looking at flood risk. We also want to include the social vulnerability and the economic vulnerability. Basically, if it floods in an area where no one lives or there's no important assets, it's not very important. If a tree falls in the forest kind of thing. Exactly. But if it floods in an area that's highly populated and has expensive infrastructure, it's a lot more important. Uh, And we found that this type of work hadn't been done for the GTA, for the Don River watershed. So we wanted to bring in this type of information. So complement the flood hazard, which is the amount of water, uh, with this additional data of the social information and the economic information. Okay, so the Don River watershed would be one of, I would guess, one of the most urbanized areas. What are we talking? Uh, Coverage area? Um, I think it's about uh, 360 square kilometers that Uh, we looked at, yeah. Okay, so... It's huge and it's the most urbanized uh, area in the country. So it has economic vulnerability that counts. It does, yes. So we looked at the types of buildings in this region, and there's a lot of resource and industrial areas. There's a lot of commercial areas institutional areas and government buildings and residences, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to see if these particular buildings were in areas of high flood hazard. And if they are, then the risk there is higher in terms of the economic impacts. If these buildings get damaged, it'll take a lot of money to repair them and to protect them. And a typical study doesn't look into these types of factors. It only is interested in the hazard. But when we include this information of what type of buildings we have, Uh, we can get a better estimate of the risk uh, that these people face. You also uh, used a different method of of producing these flood risk maps. What was it? Um, So in this method, what we've done is we've developed an approach to combine all of this different information. So looking at the hazard, but also uh, social indicators. So not just the number of people, but also what is the average age of people uh, in these regions. Is there a lot of elderly people? Are there a lot of young people? What are uh, their income levels and so on and so forth to get a better picture uh, of the risk? Uh, And the way we combine all of this information is what we've developed in this uh, this paper. So let me ask you a question. We're already developed. Right. Uh, The water has nowhere to go if it has nowhere to go. You've got all this information, now what? 
<laughs> is I think it going to help anyone? Uh, there's two important things. The first is, while we are quite developed, there's still talk about uh, putting in new neighborhoods in this area. Um, I mean, the waterfront is being developed, which is right by the lake. And as we saw last year, the islands were flooded. Um, and so when they're developing this area, I think they need to think about not just the hazard, but also think of the businesses that will be there, th the people who will be living there, and how are they going to design the buildings and infrastructure to reduce the risk of flooding. So that's one aspect. Uh, and the other aspect is, you're right, it's a, lot, a lot of the area has been developed, right? So how do we go in and improve the infrastructure mm. to be able to uh, manage this risk in the future? Well, I'd love to know the answer to that because <laughs> I live on a little tiny street. And let me see, was it 18 months? Yes. And pipes. I mean, literally, uh, well, how long would you say the street is? One building, I mean... It's about 300 meters? Yeah, 300 meters. And they did a U like this. And it took a year and a half. Right. And this is the problem with below-ground infrastructure. I mean, it's so hard to dig, go in, replace, and cover it up. Uh, What's the and, alternative? And one of the problems with this is we might need to do this again in 10 years or in 20 years. So it's just not a sustainable way of managing our infrastructure needs. So an alternative, something that I like, uh, is actually using green infrastructure. And so these are things like green roofs or permeable pavements. These are things that we can install above ground that can help absorb some of this rainwater so that the water that actually ends up going into these pipes is actually a lot lower than what it was designed for. So has that ever been presented to council or the province? or? Well, uh, Toronto is unique in one way that they've actually uh, made it mandatory for buildings to have green roofs if they're mm -hmm. a certain size. Mm -hmm. So certainly as we continue to install these, uh, it'll help. But there's many other things that we need to do. I mean, we need to be thinking of how we design our streets. Um, every time you have some flower beds on the side, should they be designed in a way to actually hold some of this water? So I understand that for the future. Right. What can we do about the present so that we don't see something like the Toronto Islands or the flooding from the Ontario storm? People's basements aren't being backed up. Is there anything that can be done? That's actually one of the reasons we wanted to make these maps, uh, in the sense that these maps clearly indicate the areas that are at highest risks. So I think people need to look at them and decide which of these they will prioritize, basically. Mm -hmm. So whatever infrastructure or techniques that need to be installed to reduce the risk for these people, I think that needs to be, uh, that can be done right now. Like that's what these maps have allowed us to do is identify the areas that are most at risk. Are the maps public? Uh, yes, they're actually available online. Uh, if we Tell us where. Um, so uh, the journal it was published in is called Geosciences and it's an open access journal. So anyone mm -hmm. can go click on it and these maps are available to download from Geo, there. Just go to Geosciences? Yes. Okay. So, um, and then what's the next stage for you? Um, so tr GTA uh, is mm -hmm. not the only city uh, in Canada. <laughs> um, we <Tis> are. To <laughs> us. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that I'm interested in is applying this method to um, across Canada, especially mm -hmm. the cities where this is a big issue. Mm -hmm. uh, we've heard of the floods in Calgary. That's probably the one that I'm going to do next, uh, just to see how flood risk looks like in that area and how it's different than it is in Toronto as well. And what about cities in the U.S. that seem to have traditionally, historically, have had more of this than us. Right. Uh, there was a the big flood in Houston as mm -hmm. well last mm -hmm. year, and I remember when that happened, some of these questions came up then as well, and how can we uh, start thinking about infrastructure in a different way to help prevent those types of events happening in the future? Mm -hmm. um, and that's what my research team is trying to do in our lab. That's amazing. Civil engineering. That's amazing. What it, that's what it's all about. Um, now, can people connect with you if they want more information through your Absolutely. Um, I have a, a website uh, okay. that I can share with you sure. and uh, my contact information is on there as well. So I would be happy to hear from people. And your website is? Uh, it's utcon.info.yourq.ca. Okay. Con K-H-A-N. Do you, do you think it's all going to be okay? Or do you think we're just going to be underwater soon? I think we can do it. We can do it. Okay. That's good. I like Yay. someone with a positive attitude. <laughs> Thank you very much for taking the time to explain this to us. You're welcome.
Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. We'll be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit KearnsandCo.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, are you wild about blueberries? Our next guests are here to tell us about the annual Wild Blueberry Festival at Evergreen Brickworks tomorrow, August 19th. Joining us now is Cameron Dale, the project manager for public markets at Evergreen Brickworks, and Jose Arato, the owner and head chef of Pimenton. Yes. I got it right. Good. Welcome to What She Said. Uh, We are very Berry wild. I guess we'd say we are berry Very wild, wild. belly wild <laughs> about blueberries. And uh, we understand that people can learn, taste, eat, shop from more than 20 food uh, producers, preservers, bakers, chefs, all featuring wild blueberry products and, and dishes. That's correct. Is that right? Yeah. So tell us what kind of thing people can expect. So the Wild Blueberry Celebration at the Brickworks is one of a range of festivals that we'll carry out through our markets uh, every summer. Um, so as well as uh, our whole food court uh, celebrating wild blueberries with dishes, we'll also have uh, an exclusive beer. It's going to be a wild blueberry kvike made in partnership with Great Lakes Brewery, who are one of our good, well, great partners through you know our local craft beer scene. We'll also have uh, wild blueberry kombucha, wild blueberry sangrias, etc. Uh, as well as uh, baking opportunities for kids in the children's garden. We'll be firing up our big brick bake oven and working with the team from Cafe Belong to make wild blueberry treats there so kids can you know get messy and learn a little bit about using the product as well as eating it and mm-hmm. it's really just a chance for us to celebrate uh, an indigenous superfood uh, and show how versatile it is so taking it away from just pies and cakes into whether it's beer whether it's barbecue whether it's cooking with meats um, just to show off everything you can do with it what well, really is farm to table um, not so much farm to table, forage to table well, forage for wild blueberries. Yeah, it's um, yeah. something that you can find across uh, Quebec, Ontario, right the way across to the East Coast. And it's a great way to support not only the people who are foraging it, but also the people who are cooking with it, farming with it, and connecting people to uh, local food in a way that they might not engage with otherwise through the year. Okay, so, so Chef Jose, you are here, and Cameron mentioned something which would never have occurred to me, and you have brought in for us to sample, yes. which is a blueberry barbecue sauce. We're going to have a little taste, Christine, but tell us, like, how did this, like, blueberries and barbecue? Well, yeah, one of the things is, uh, myself also, I'm a pastry chef, and oh, and the first thing that, that I thought was to make mm. uh, blueberry pancakes, and, uh, but it was like more like a challenge. It's like, oh my God, again, the same thing. Mm. There were so many blueberry pies and so many sweet things that that's when like, we actually uh, relate uh, fruit with uh, sweets. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I think blueberry will go pretty well with uh, barbecue sauce. Well, I've just tasted it. It's delicious. Yeah. It's, it's um, a little bit tangy. Um Sweet, but not overly sweet. Is that just from the blueberries? I'm... The the blueberries give the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I add sugar. I cannot lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the blueberries uh, gives that 
beautiful sweetness. So when you make usually a barbecue or a ketchup, uh, you use sugar. So my sugar intake in this will be way less. And definitely I use a lot of spices. Uh, there is fennel there. There is cumin. and uh, It's really good. I really it, like What What would it be good? What What protein would it be good? Uh, usually what I do is pork. Pork? I think yeah. pork I was really just goes say that. very yeah. well with that. Pork needs a sweet. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to uh, definitely do chicken as well. I'm going to make some chicken. Uh, you know, people, not everybody eats pork, but uh, my preference is definitely uh, pork. Uh, it goes super well. Like, it's beautiful. Well, with the whole movement of, of uh, distancing oneself from processed foods, uh, which, which in a country that has six months of winter, where we often feel like we're forced to do, is this something you can freeze? And are there other things that you're going to be featuring that can be frozen? So what I would say is that, you know, you mentioned six months of winter. I think that's also why it's so important for us at this time of year to celebrate when we are in season. Um, so mm-hmm. August is mm-hmm. our wild blueberry mm-hmm. season, but you can get these year round. Uh, so wild blueberries can be frozen. They store really well. You can find them in a lot of stores. And it's nice to be able to potentially in the winter turn to something that is frozen, but is, you know, native to Canada, hasn't traveled a very long distance, still tastes great, as opposed to potentially turning something in the supermarkets, which has traveled an incredibly mm. long distance. And, and it- has been ripened on the truck and has no flavor, like strawberries, Correct. which exactly. come in February and are perfectly shaped and great if they're dipped in chocolate, because other than that, they have no flavor. <laughs> they're very red yeah. and they're perfect. But you you just don't think you're getting any vitamin C because it doesn't taste of anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm biased because I love our markets, Mainly because I'm a glutton for food. Uh, I grew up in the countryside. I, you know, I love food. I love farming. And I do firmly believe that, you know, it's not just about being fresh, but it is about finding something that is fresh and in season. So it's tasting how it should taste. And, you know, wild blueberries that are frozen to pick up in the winter, you, you know, that's that great alternative. And there's um, such, such yeah. nutritional benefits to blueberries. So for anyone who has never been, tell them what is so magical about the brickworks. So the magical thing uh, for me about the Brickworks is that it proves what you can do in a short space of time with somewhere that was effectively uh, a dead zone. It was an abandoned building. It was a dump. Yeah, it <laughs> it built the city. Uh, and we like to think that in its new life, it is building the city again. Um, we are a hub for nature play. We're a hub for local food. We are a hub for getting out into nature and enjoying the ravine system of Toronto. Um, and they're all things that we think help to promote um, a flourishing city, which is a big part of our goal as Evergreen. And coming down on a day like the Wild Blueberry Festival is a chance to sample all the best of those offerings all in one day. That come in to the city. Because when you're there, uh, you you look around. You don't even feel like you're in a city. You Mm. feel like you're somewhere out in the country, like you're in... St. Jacob's or something. I mean, you you don't feel that you're in a city at all. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, at this time of year, you know, it's the nights are getting a little bit shorter. People feel like they're going back to school. I think a lot of people can use that bit of break from the hustle and bustle of humid, busy city life. So, yeah, this is the perfect time to come down and experience it. We should tell people where it is. So you're 550 Bayview Avenue. Um, the best place to get off is Broadview Subway Station. You can grab either our free shuttle down or you can come from Davisville on the 28 bus. Uh, there's parking there as well. Mm-hmm. Or you um, can drive because it's yeah. right off the DVP, the Bloor Bayview exit. That's right. And if you want to um, get there in a more active way, you can also come straight up the new Don uh, River Valley Park uh, cycleway as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jose, um, people are going to be able to ask chefs and all the, the makers of different things there from preserves to, to desserts, like how they do it and other ideas. Have you got something else that you can tease us with about what you like to do with wild blueberries? Um, I was thinking for this weekend to actually make the pancakes. Uh, I really love A classic. Pancakes. It's yeah, a classic. A classic. Uh, I don't want to say much because the truth is I don't know if I will have the time. Uh, but um, uh, with the uh, blueberries, definitely I'm drawn to, like my challenge was to make the barbecue sauce. And for me now will be like to make a beautiful pie or like something mm-hmm. sweet that 
as you said, all the antioxidants of the wild blueberries, mm -hmm. you, you have it there, no? But you could do, you know, a kale salad with some nuts If you and dry some them up. Blueberries. Like, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I would love to is uh, to dry the, the blueberries. And you can keep it all year round as mm -hmm. well. And as what you said, instead of adding to a kale salad these cranberries, you have the blueberries. Um, actually, there is a Persian dish that use kind of uh, small blueberries as well. If you cover them in chocolate, you can have our first <laughs> they don't want our <laughs> that's all done. okay so um it is it is it's on tomorrow um at, that's august 19th sunday evergreen brickworks at 550 bayview avenue where can people go to learn more what's your website et so they can head to evergreen.ca and mm -hmm. then click on our link to the brickworks to see all about the event if they want to learn more about wild blueberries they can head to wildblueberryassociation.ca as well uh, but really the best way to learn about this event is to come down. Uh, I think if I could say anything, it's that so often we talk in terms of what when we think of food. Um, when you come down and you talk to chefs and farmers, you learn the how and the why. And that's such an important part of great tasting food, sustainable and equitable food. And, you know, we'd love it if you could come down and explore that at the Brickworks. And when is the Brickworks open on the weekend? It's the weekend, Saturday, Sunday? Uh, the Brickworks is a 363-day-a-year site. Uh, Three. Which two? Aren't you there? Christmas uh, Day, Christmas New Day, Year's yeah, Day. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've got people there all, all, yeah, all year now. Always it was just the, weekends. Nope, there no. is always something to do. At the moment, we're in the middle of our camp, which is a phenomenal yeah. children's activity. And the, are, the hours? Uh, Saturdays and Sundays, we are open 9 till 5. Farmer's Market, 8 till 1 Saturdays. And then 10 till 3 on Sundays, just like tomorrow. Amazing. Excellent. Thank okay. you so much for coming in. Thank you very much for this barbecue sauce. Enjoy. Woo. Save it. Make some meat. Freeze put it. Put it on top. <laughs> Freeze it. That will work, definitely. That will work. Thank you. Thank you, guys. What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. This is 1059 The Region. What she Now back to what she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, Saturday night at eight o'clock, I know where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick my baby up and take her to the picture show. Well, joining us now is our film critic, Anne Brody, for Saturday Night at the Movies. And today we are starting out with the highly anticipated Crazy Rich Asians, which I've, I've been following Lainey Lou on her. Oh, yeah. uh, she just loves it. She thinks it's the best thing I, ever. I've seen the trailers. I think it's the best thing ever. I think it's going to be so entertaining. I can't wait. I just can't wait. Crazy Rich Asians has a 100% Asian cast led by Constance Wu, Michelle Yeoh, and Henry Golding. It's about a New York economics professor who goes to Singapore with her boyfriend, not realizing that he is superstar rich, his family is incredibly important and famous, his mother doesn't like her one wee bit, she's not good enough, so she's a little bit on edge. Will he abandon his legacy to be with her, or will she have to toe the line? The razzle-dazzle is eye-popping, and after a while, a bit wearing, as money appears to be the raison d'etre of the entire Singapore crew. Her integrity helps her hang on to who she is, and that's when things really get crazy. While it's an all-Asian film, directed by John Chu, it's as formulaic on the American style as it gets. Still, it's fun and distracting, an old-fashioned feel-good rom-com with universal appeal, based on the best-selling novels. 
Never Saw It Coming, directed by Gail Harvey and based on Lindwood Barclay's novel, centers on Keisha Ceylon, played by Emily Hampshire, a psychic. At least that's what she calls herself, when in fact she's a desperate single mother who sees nothing wrong with conning clients and victims eager for her to find their missing loved ones. She just had a nice payday conning with a boy to stage his kidnapping and split the reward. She scans the news for potential marks and sees a father, Eric Roberts, and daughter, Katie Boland, who's Gail's daughter, pleading to know what became of their wife and mother. Thing is, they know because they engineered her death and watched her car sink under the ice. Keisha shows up and relates her vision to the father. It's too close to the truth. He attacks her. She fights back in the best way that she can. This is full of twists and turns. It's wickedly dark, funny. It has a great feel about it. And it's uh, sort of reminiscent of Vim Vender's work. And that was one of Gail's mentors. It's precise, moody, and a little bit horrifying. Krista Fafkin, the German-born 60s singer, is the subject of Nico, 1988. Best known as a singer for the Velvet Underground and superstar muse to Andy Warhol, she was the lover of some of the most famous names in music in those days. She was also a model actress and trendsetter. She was famous and infamous and struggled with addiction for half her life but managed to leave a lasting musical and cinematic legacy. But she was a Nazi sympathizer. Trying Dineholm stars as Nico in this dramatization of her final European tour as a solo artist and her rebrand as a Princess of Darkness. The film takes us to her shows in Paris, Prague, Nuremberg, Manchester, Poland, and Italy and details her reconciliation with her son, whom she introduced to heroin. Well, Anne, we have to leave it there. Of course, you can find all Anne's reviews in written form on her blog on whatshesaidtalk.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at whatshesaidtalk.com. On the road again, going places that I've never been. Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again Joining us now is Candace Sampson from alifeinpleasantville.com. Welcome back. Hi, how are you? I'm great, but I want to know about Iceland because I know a lot of people who've been and I have never been there. Well, this was our summer trip. My daughters and I went went to Iceland, Paris, and Rome. So it was quite a uh, extended uh, quite trip. a great trip. <laughs> <laughs> and Iceland was our first stop. Mm-hmm. And Iceland sort of exploded in recent years. A very it popular has. destination mm-hmm. for bachelor parties too. Number oh, one really? spot for bachelor yes. parties. Yeah, you're kidding. Fact, nope. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's what surprised me about hot dogs. Uh, hot dogs about Iceland is hot dogs. Hot dogs are very famous there. Hot dogs are famous in Iceland. Yeah, Icelandic okay. hot dogs. What's so special about an Icelandic hot dog? Honestly, I, it's 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 raw onion, crispy fried onions, a sweet mustard, mayonnaise, and ketchup, and it's oddly delicious. Oddly delicious. <laughs> and how, how many did you have, Ken? <laughs> well, because you know, well, first off, when we were there, twenty-two hours of daylight. And that really messes with your head. So we were not sleeping properly. And so my daughters and I would get up at one in the morning and go have a hot dog because it felt like, you know, one in the afternoon. Uh, So we would just go have a hot dog at one in the morning and walk around and we would have them for lunch. But the other thing is eating in Iceland is super expensive. I heard that. My daughter uh, was there with her boyfriend and she said it was very expensive. Extremely. And and a, a, a lot of the places were like little side of the road sort of um, gas station kind of places. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And and I would say, you know, uh, you hear the words, it's expensive, and you don't really, you can't really, I'm going to quantify that for okay, you, okay? Okay, good. So I was thinking, tra- great travel expert here, we're going to go to a mall. Surely it's going to be cheap at a mall to get lunch. And we went and we had two burritos and a quesadilla, and it came to $63. <gasps> Canadian. Once they converted on my card, that's what it came to, $63. God, it's three it's subs. Running, <laughs> running alongside Switzerland. <sighs> Isn't that... $17 ins- for a coffee. It's insane yeah. how expensive it is. So I think that 
Well, I encourage everybody to go to Iceland. It's absolutely beautiful. But please work on your budget before you go because you will be shocked by how expensive it is. And it's understandable. It's an island. Everything has to be shipped imported, in, right? right? They uh, they don't grow a lot of those things there. Right. Um, you know, Something else that I remember Sophie said it had, had to be imported was firewood. Uh, yeah, actually, there is not a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, that's true. There's not a lot of trees around. It's actually sort of a desert environment, really. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, rugged. It's a lot of volcanic rock, mm-hmm. with which there's not a lot growing on it. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's a breathtaking place. Um, so that I would just say to budget for that for sure. And in order to keep in the budget, um, I would highly recommend Wow Air. So we flew with Wow out of Montreal, and mm-hmm. they fly out of Toronto as well. And there's, it's the new um, uh, breed of low-cost air carriers. So they just came on the scene a couple of years ago, and they've become wildly popular because they also fly to Europe, and you can do layovers in Iceland, which is oh, what we that's did. that's a good idea. Right. right. So, uh, so it's great, and you can choose the level of service you want to fly um, according to your travel style and budget. Uh, but, of course, I would say keep that budget for other things in Iceland, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and go with um, with the WOW. Um, it's called WOW uh, Plus. WOW Plus. Yes. So there's basic WOW, comfy, and premium. <laughs> and premium, I mean, if you want to go really bougie, as my girls would say, you would, you would go premium and then you get two bags and you, you know, but do you really need that? Probably yeah. not. You, you would need two bags. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm the worst overpacker, so but yeah, I, I'm good at one. But. I come, I come back with two thirds of my suitcase untouched, but just in case. I know, just in I know. Case. What if I want to wear this. blue that day? Yes. See, I'm, and what, what about because I'm used to going theory is I'll go with carry on. Yeah, and if I need something there, I'll buy it. But is there stuff to buy in Iceland? Yes, um, winter clothing. Winter clothing. <laughs> Yeah, lots of, lots of that. Yes, there was Canada goose jackets all over the place. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, rented Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And we kept our budget uh, down that way because we were able to eat at the Airbnb. Um, so we would go, we went to a grocery store there called Bonus, which I mean, it's like their version of no frills. Uh, I would highly recommend everybody find a local bonus for food, keeps it cheap. Uh, we lived on avocado toast for a few days and it kept us, you know, gave us nutrition and it was a cheap way to, to feed us. And Domino's Pizza. It's that expensive, huh? It's that expensive. I really, really encourage everybody to budget for that. And honestly, when it comes to alcohol, here's my advice. If you think food's expensive, alcohol is crazy. So I would say stop duty at the, free? Stop at the <laughs> duty free on the way in. And when that's gone, go on the wagon for the rest of the time. <laughs> okay, that means it's really expensive if Candace is saying that. That's right. If I'm telling you to stop, you trust me on this. Uh, last, the Blue Lagoon, of course, is very famous. And it's a total tourist trap. But yeah, definitely have to do it because mm-hmm. it is gorgeous. And the Golden Circle, uh, we rented a car and I... I would highly encourage everybody to rent a car there. It's The roads are incredibly drivable. And it's just like, you know, if you're used to driving Canadian roads, Iceland is no different. And uh, you can drive the Golden Circle and, and do all the things on the way. Um, Thingveller and uh, Geyser and uh, Gullfoss, the falls. And it's beautiful and totally worth your time. Definitely uh, a, a great place to go. All right. Candace Sampson with LifeInPleasantville.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Meridian's three-year escalator GIC can help you save for a bucket list trip. In the first year, earn 2% interest. In the second, 3%. In the third, 4%. Those escalating savings could be the difference between this trip and this trip. Visit a branch or meridiancu.ca today to get started. Meridian, saving for a better life while living your best life. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now for our continuing one-on-one special interviews is the iconic Simone Denny, who I am so blessed to call my friend. Welcome. Thank you. I'm blessed to have you as a friend. Now, let me just say, if this were another country 
and Simone were a different person. This interview would likely not be happening because there would be so many layers of managers <laughs> who would keep her away. We would have to book the interview six years down the road. Oh, gosh. I don't know if it's that bad. <laughs> you wouldn't be allowed to talk to me. Eh, I would always have room yeah. for you. Always make room for you. Always. Now, you are a legend. And humor me just for a moment. Okay. For those people who do not know... Uh, even though they've just heard your pipes, which are amazing. Thank you. Um, Simone Denny is a Toronto-based soul, electronic, and R&B singer. Simone was formerly from the platinum-selling group Love, Inc. Simone has multiple Billboard chart-topping dance hits, numerous worldwide number one singles, five Juno Awards. Simone's album, The Stereo Dynamite Sessions Volume 1, is expected to come out this fall? Well, don't we have that one out? We're about to get ready to start to do another album in the fall. So this is Volume 2 It'll in be the Volume 2. Volume 2, <laughs> excuse me. And Simone was awarded a SoCan Music Songwriters Award for Love, Inc.'s What Do You Love? and had the opportunity to tour extensively through Canada and Europe. So let's start at the beginning of the story. Okay. When did you find your voice as a young girl and your larger-than-life persona, literally? Thank you. Um, you know what? Music found me. It was it was totally accidental, to be quite honest. Um, raised, you know, went to Catholic school, uh, joined the choir for school, you know, and they had a, a talent show. And I had been learning guitar lessons because my parents wanted me to be rounded. So, you know, not just, you know, French, it was French music, everything. And I was singing uh, You Needed Me by Anne Murray in the living room. And my mom walked by and my cousin was there and she's like, oh, Audrey, you sound great. And I was like, that wasn't Audrey, that was me. And she's like, really? She said, why don't you do that for the talent show? Because I had, wasn't sure what to, to mm -hmm. do. And I uh, went up and I sang it and I got a standing ovation. And I was like, okay. You know, so and that... How, do that, you remember how you felt? I, I remember being really surprised. I do remember looking into the audience and seeing my mom's glasses shining and tears flowing down her face. Because I don't think she'd ever heard me in that it was the first time literally that I performed on my own so one of the teachers accompanied me on piano and it was just a really memorable moment and there's still friends who went to school with me at that time who are like I remember that you know so it's that was the moment how that old was were it. you wow I must have been grade three eight nine somewhere around there so but did you remember having stage fright or do you remember just stepping into your skin and saying I didn't give it a Bring second it thought. You didn't give it a second, second thought. thought. I was just like, okay, these are all my friends in the audience and their parents. So for me, there was nothing to, to be afraid of. Um, being an only child at the time, I love attention. Yep. And so uh, going up there, you know, and, and singing and people actually enjoying what I did was, was a wonderful thing. And when I walked off, I was like, I, I want to sing. And that then that's it. what you did from then on? That was it. I went back and did a talent show the next year, same school, got an, uh, another standing ovation. And then after that, I uh, went on to high school and just started to be involved in every aspect of the high school community that would put me in front of an audience. So I was uh, vice president of my student council, um, represented the school on different events. Eventually, we had a talent show, sang there, you know, mm -hmm. so... Anything I could do to be in front of an audience, I was I was happy. I enjoyed it. Like just representing the school or literally just being in front of an audience. It was great. Who were your idols then? Your music idols? Wow. A lot of different idols. Uh, growing up in Canada affords you the opportunity to be exposed to so much. Um, so born and raised with Guyanese immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, so reggae and soca music yes but my mom grew up in england for about 10 years so i also heard shirley bassey the beatles all that was in the house as well um and then being a canadian kid here uh we I grew up on Brian Adams, uh, SOS band you you name it uh, anita baker uh, thelma houston like in our house, it was just good music. And then it went back to artists like Sam Cooke, uh, The Temptations. Like, I have such a rich mixture of music. And then to add to all the other cultures you're exposed to as well. Mm -hmm. um, in Toronto, it's, I'm, I'm a product of a very integrated and mixed and rich musical upbringing. So it's all there. I don't know whether you do, but <laughs> do you remember the first ever concert you attended? 
and the impression that it made on you? Hmm. Don't think I remember the first concert. But if I if I was going to say that, actually, I do remember. I would say the first major concert would probably have been Michael Jackson when the, and, and the Jacksons when they came here. And that was an incredible experience. My dad got us tickets. I think we were like in section A. So we were right, right up on the stage and looking up. And I just, he, Michael left such an impression on me and the amount of magic that he created on stage that I wanted to continue. I think that fueled me even more just by being an audience member and feeling what he did and feeling the feelings from what he did on stage. I wanted to do that even more, you know, so. Well, I think he really was famous for engaging the audience. Absolutely. They were, they were mesmerized. Absolutely. You, you could not go to a, a, to a concert of his and be looking around or in your purse or checking your phone. You were completely his. Well, you know, it's funny. Which is fun. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Be, be, because that's what you do, too. I try. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm nowhere near Michael, but I try to do my thing and, uh, and make people happy. That, that For me, when I get on stage, it's really about energy exchange. And um, I love to see people's faces smiling. I love to see them with their eyes closed, hands in the air and singing everywhere. And when I, particularly when I go to the U.K., it's insane, and it's a whole new generation of kids now that know the music, know the song word for word, and uh, I just feel really blessed. I mean, the songs, these songs are 20 years old, and they're still going. That's great music for you. Yeah. Let's digress for a moment. Sure. And tell us, how did Love, Inc. happen? Well, um, Love, Inc. happened, uh, I was with um, Chris Shepard, and actually, I'll, I'll take you even further back. Uh, I used to do a lot of session work. Um, so session work would, and demo work would be uh, producers or songwriters would have songs, and they'd find a specific voice. You'd come in and demo it with your voice so they have an idea, and they could sell those songs to, I guess, major artists. So I used to do a lot of that on the Toronto scene. And I got a call from doing one of those sessions with a gentleman named Anthony Vandenberg who knew Chris Shepard and knew uh, Greg Cavanaugh and, and they called me, uh, Greg Cavanaugh called me for a session. I had no idea what I was walking into, but got there. They explained his house music, uh, you know, Chris Shepard. And I said, Oh, I know who Chris mm-hmm. Shepard is. I know what he does, you know, the music, but I, you know, it's not something I sang. And the first session literally was a song called Dreamcatcher. And you can you can hear it on the radio and you'll hear me. They'll be like, scream here, hold the note here, sing, do that. And I'm like, what? Because it wasn't a familiar genre to me. And that first track actually earned us a Juno Award nomination. And I was like, really? And it was it. We did about three or four songs after that, and it hit the radio across Canada. It did well. We started going to billboard conferences in the U.S. Like It, it just took off unexpectedly. And when Chris uh, decided to suddenly disband BKS, he came to me and he said, listen, I, I'm going to start a new group, and I would like you to be part of it, and I'd like you to be the voice of the group. And I was like, sure, because I had such a great time doing uh, touring with them with BKS across Canada and whatnot. Yeah. And I had no idea really the direction it was going to take. But when we when we got into it, it was more of a pop uh, sound mm-hmm. with uh, dance music influence influences. And uh, it was it was amazing. We just got into starting to write with Brad and um, and it, it just took off like we had we knew it would do well, but you didn't realize how well I had no idea. So many people just don't understand with a band that's doing so well. Uh, why did the band split up? Uh, you know what? It's a typical uh, rock and roll music story. You know, uh, different dynamics. People want different things uh, from the group. And, you know, it became money issues. It came, there was jealousy. There was a few different things going on. And for me, when I get up and I sing, I, I love positive energy. I'm not saying drama doesn't happen, you know, normally in our everyday lives. But I just, it just became too much for me. And it was just time to go. Now, you've had a little bit of a rough time of late mm-hmm. after the passing of your former bandmate, yes. um, Bradley Damon, who yes. was so special to you. He was. Brad was a, an awesome individual. Um, we had a lot of fun in studio writing, um, a lot of fun on the road, and he was more like, like a brother to me on the road. So we had a good time, and 
eventually Brad left, uh, well, it was asked to leave the group and he went on to write with NSYNC and I was just really happy for him because he wrote with them at their peak of their popularity and did well. And uh, we always kept in touch. And it was just maybe over the last six months, we were like, you know what, let's, let's do Talking about getting together Literally, again. and we were supposed to get together this month and next mo- or next month and start. And so when I heard he was ill and then suddenly passed away, it just... We were so excited. It just was really sad. Simone, you took an eight-year, almost eight-year hiatus yeah. from music. What yeah. was going on in your life at the time? Wow. A um, couple things. Um, the industry had changed. Um, economic climate just went on a free fall. And so clubs weren't hiring a lot of the divas, My, not just me, but all the divas included across the U.S. Everything just came to a standstill. And then uh, a family member, I mean, mom, um, had breast cancer. And then a few years after that, I had colon cancer. So it was just time to really acknowledge the red flag and take care of family and take care of myself and kind of get us back to health. You know, so... And then another family member passed away as well. My dog died. It was, it was insane. It was insane for a bit. It was just one person after the other getting sick, people passing away. And I was just like, I want to sing, but I don't want to sing. Does that make sense? Yes. But you're back now. I'm back now. You're back now. I'm back, yes. Um, why do you think it is that you can stroll through a mall in Canada and not have an autograph request. You may, but but there are days oh, when I you do. don't. Oh, I do. I've had that. No, no, you do. But, oh, do? But, I do. But not all the time. Oh, but and yet in other parts of the world, <laughs> you are literally stopped on every street corner in a crush of autograph seekers. What is that? You know what? I've had that time in Canada where I couldn't walk through the mall. I'd literally have to wait till I'm like, okay, it's quarter to nine. Let me run in and get what I got to get. This is before uh, online shopping. So I had to run in and do whatever errands really quickly and run out. I mean, there have been times where I took my mom with me. I was like, mom, you you need to see it. She's like, no, that's not happening. I was like, come. For example, body shop. Went into my face wash. Within three minutes, there was a mob outside the store. And somebody came in and they were just standing there watching me. And she's like... If you, if I didn't come here and see this, I would not have believed you. And I went anywhere I went. I had no privacy. And honestly, I'm not about that. I love to just do my music on stage or do music on stage. Mm-hmm. And I like to just because be you able don't to walk confuse who you are with no, what you do. No, I'm always Simone. But always. knowing you and listening to you sing, I actually resent the fact that you don't have the profile <laughs> of a Diana Ross or a Cher. Uh, and the list goes on, and yet you don't seem to feel any resentment. No, like I said, because I've I've had that time. I mean, we did a campaign with Sears when I was with Love Inc., and this is a funny story. Um, and I took my sister back to school shopping, and we're in the store, and people kept walking by and staring, like staring at, at us, and I'm like, okay, is my zipper down? Is something, like, what's happening? Why are people, you know, looking at me like that? Couldn't figure it out until... Ten minutes later, somebody looked at us and then looked up. And I went, oh, my. we were literally standing under the banner with my face on it. Oh. We had come in from the behind <laughs> it so we didn't see it. And I was like, I froze. Like It was like you put cold water down my back. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And she started laughing and we're out of there because I'm, I'm just not about... Um, those you things know, are nice. I love to meet people, and I love when people get yeah. excited to meet me. But it's not; it does not define who I am. No. And so I'm, I gladly stand up when I'm anywhere and sign autographs or chat with people until the last one is done, um, because ultimately, those are the people that make you who you are. In terms of they keep your song going, their popularity, and when you do music, it's for the audience; it's for them. You know, so. But you're not only a, a, a great singer and a great showwoman, you're also uh, involved in a lot of charities you give back hugely to the community. You're also a very powerful role model for bos- positive body image. Yeah, I try. Um, why is that important? That's important to me because I am a curvy woman. I'm a plus-size girl. I always have been. And there were times doing music that, I was challenged on that. I was told when I was with Loving at one point I was told, Oh, you're not sexy, but we kept you. And I was like, What? You know, and it's funny because I had always grown up 
in an environment where I was always told I was beautiful. I was never, I never doubted it. It was never, and I'm saying that, I'm not saying that from an egotistic mm-hmm. um, point of view, but I never doubted my beauty or, or you know, my place in the world or, or it, it just didn't bother me. But I remember being at the Much Music Awards and Aqua was on stage and we were up for an award. And this young lady came out of nowhere. And I wish I had taken her name or exchanged uh, information with her. She came out of nowhere. It was in the dark. And she came up and she said, I just want to say to you, you look great. You represent for the big girls. Thank you so much. She said, your hair, your clothes. She said, you're always on point. I don't know where she is. I don't know what where happened she to came her. from. But where, whoever but you whoever are. Whoever she is and wherever she is, I thank you because that is something that stayed with me and that is a statement at that moment that meant so much to me because I realized that there were people out there watching and appreciating you know what they saw and to be honest my fans really didn't care no. my fans followed they followed us from city to city and they just came because they loved the music they loved the energy they loved the vibes they were getting they didn't care they didn't care you know so um, being seeing the movement the way it is now I'm, I mean, in whatever small part I contribute to that, mm-hmm. and it makes some women out there feel more comfortable about her body and, and more confident mm-hmm. in life, I'm good with it. I'm so proud of all the bloggers, and I'm so humbled and honored to know them and interact with them. These women are amazing. I just saw one of your TED Talks, and ah. I, I, I just want to say, um, what is your message to young people Perhaps they're aspiring singers. Who knows? But to young people today. My message from the TED Talk, you can find it on YouTube, is is do you. Honestly, uh, focus in. Go in as many directions as you can. And and because, as I said in the TED Talk, my journey was not a straight, it's not a straight line. I'm still on the journey, and it's not a straight line. There's been ups and there's been downs. Other people can be an overnight success and that's very rare but what's important is that you don't close yourself off if i had decided um to just do r&b music which is where i started mm-hmm. love inc and dance music was something i had never envisioned or planned or even anticipated mm-hmm. and that is where my blessing was that was my success that is where things took off and went huge and it was because i was open to it if you close yourself off, you lose so many opportunities, not just in music, but just meeting people, having great experiences. And the one thing in this life that I have learned is to be open. It, it, is, it is the one thing in life that has carried me through, whether it's health, whether it's music, whether it's relationships, be open. In closing, one final question. I could ask you 57 more, but <laughs> what, the final question, what is your favorite song of all time? Wow. If I stump you, I am going to clap. You have stumped me. I, I, there's so many different songs. I couldn't pick just one, honestly. There's not one particular one. I love music. And I, if you, anybody who drives with me, right now I tend, I'm in a, in a bit of a soca music phase. Yes. Um, so I'm playing a lot of it because it's really happy music. And yeah. it's a, it, I used to be part of, <clears throat> so I used to be part of the soca scene like Big time. And I have a tendency that when I'm doing, say I'm doing house music or rock or whatever, I always balance it with something else. And right now, uh, for the last maybe year or two, I've been back into Ahsoka a lot. And it, and reason being, it's happy music. It's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of your sexuality. It's a celebration of culture. And uh, <clears throat> if you listen to the lyrics, they're happy. And I, I'm, I'm, it's summer. It's a beautiful summer in the six. And I'm feeling that. But saying that... I love R&B music, I love funk, I love rock, I love house. Once it's good music, you'll, you'll catch me listening to it. Well, just know that both myself and all our listeners and many, many Canadians, and in fact, people around the world are going to be sitting, cheering you on for this next leg of the journey. Thank you. Simone Denny, legendary, iconic, with a heart of gold and a voice <laughs> for the angels. Thank you for joining oh, thank, us thank you for What having She me. Said. That is it for our show today. We'll be back again tomorrow here on 105.9 The Region. Connect with us on social media at What She Said Talk, and we'll see you later. See you later.
the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favourite podcast app. It is your favourite girl. That's right, it's the Ali Mars. The one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.